So it's been about two weeks since the Los Angeles Lakers won their championship and the NBA bubble came to a close as well as the 2019-20 NBA season. And Sean and I took a two-week break from NBA content. And I got to admit, I was a, I've been exhausted and have enjoyed this break, taking a step back from NBA content, catching some Dodger games. Shout out to those guys bringing a World Series championship to LA alongside with the Lakers. Um, but we got things piling up now. We got new head coaches. We got Daryl Morey only needing a couple days of family time before he decided he needed a new job. Um, we got free agency coming up. We got potential dates for an NBA return, and we'll break all this down on today's episode. Is I guess you could say this is officially the first episode for the 2020-2021 NBA season. You think it's fair to call it that, Sean, even though we don't have an official start date to the season yet? Yeah, man. I think that's actually a pretty big deal, as you put it that way. We're going <laughs> into, like, what? Our, like, our fourth year, mm-hmm. just breaking down NBA stuff. Just, uh, or maybe third year, third full year, I guess you could say. But, yeah, man, it's, it, that was a fun ride. I'm, I'm glad we're, we're here doing another season, getting it started off right. And, I mean, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty still going into next season, but... And there's still there's still a lot of stuff to talk about. Teams are still making moves as if things are gonna be rolling as is, and uh, I'm excited to break some of it down, man. I'm excited to talk basketball again. It's a new chapter, fresh chapter. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I was just telling you that I've just been feeling emotionally tired from consuming basketball <laughs> content, but I think two two week Lakers hangover, yeah, man. Just still hung two over weeks from that championship and you know amazing playoff performances that we saw in the NBA bubble. I, I'm a little sad to say that that, you know, that's officially history now um, as we gear up for, <laughs> for another year. Yeah, you got, got to look forward to the next man. You can't, you can't dwell on the past no more. Exactly. You're right. And I think nobody in the NBA is dwelling on the past either. As we speak, I'm pretty sure Gallinari and some team representative <laughs> is having a zoom dinner call right now. Even though the NBA thinks, Zoom call. <laughs> even though the NBA thinks that nobody's doing this, everybody's waiting until they announce an oh, official free agency. No. <laughs> yeah, don't give me that. Deals already being worked out. We just don't know what they are yet. Um, but anyways, let's jump right back into it. We'll start off with breaking down the head coaching, the new head coach changes that have happened heading into this new year. So eight of the nine teams with coaching vacancies have now filled their new roles. The only team still remaining is Oklahoma City. And I guess on mm. that same vein, you could say the last big name still remaining is Mike D'Antoni. And I don't see a <laughs> fit here with Oklahoma City. Sean, do you do you mm. do you do you see that? Or? <laughs> I don't I really don't. I, I think that Chris Paul has some <laughs> bad blood there at this point. And, and who knows if Chris Paul even be there, but still, I, I do not see that being a good fit. I would love to see a new player step up like we've seen with a lot of these other vacancies that we're going to talk about here, um, including the Rockets. I mean, I'm still a fan of Wes Unseld. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's the Denver Nuggets assistant coach, defensive mastermind that was able to take the Clippers down. I think that he's a great candidate that's still available. Um, I mean, Mark Jackson is still available. I think he's another good candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike D'Antoni would be funny, but I, yeah, there's there's still some names out there. Maybe, maybe we get uh, someone out of left field like we we're seeing with some of these other uh, head coach vacancies that were filled yeah, recently. I, I think that's more likely to happen. I just don't see uh, Oklahoma City ownership really throwing the bag out to some 
name like a Mike D'Antoni, I think this team is is going to save some bucks in the next few years as they gear up to rebuild. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's let's outside of the Oklahoma City and Mike D'Antoni. Looks like we won't be seeing any Mike D'Antoni offense heading into this NBA year. Looks more likely than not. But for the Houston Rockets, his former team, they choose Steven Siles as their new NBA head coach. Now, I didn't really know much about this guy, but the more I read up on him, uh, he, he seems like a solid choice. Uh, first time as an NBA head coach. His father was an NBA head coach as well. So this is the fifth father and son com- combo in NBA history to be head coaches. Uh, but this guy has done his dues. He's been around for a very long time, NBA assistant for 20 years, and has had stints with a lot of teams and as you know, has experience working with big players like Curry, uh, Don Sick, uh, Kemba Walker. Uh, so he's stepping into a very interesting situation. Uh, <laughs> maybe not the most ideal situation, I would say, for an NBA head coach. You got a roster that was so specially made for a certain style and Maybe he goes to that style, maybe not. I'm not entirely sure, but I think the surprise here is no Jeff Van Gundy, who seemed to be a prominent name in the search. And at the end... I would not be upset about that. (laughs) Yeah, same here. So at the end, the Houston Rockets ownership didn't like what they saw there and ended up going with Steven here. Uh, What are your thoughts here, Sean? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting signing. Like you, I don't really know much about the guy. I mean, I'm not inside on the, on the NBA's inner circle front office I'm not familiar with how these guys have been brought up but yeah like you said I mean NBA assistant for 20 years and this guy's really climbed the ladder um, if you will I mean worked with a bunch of teams the Hornets the Wizards the Cavs and the Warriors and then most recently the Mavericks before getting his first head coaching gig I mean you got work 20 years to get there like that's that's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. so this guy is quite the seasoned veteran. He's been around a lot of teams. He knows the NBA game, obviously. Uh, has seen success with some of these teams, too. I mean, you talk about the Warriors and the Mavericks, especially towards the latter end of his career. Working with really talented guards as well. I, I think that there could be a good fit here. But the question is now, so obviously Daryl Morey having walked away from the GM job. Um, no more Dan Tony offense, but you have a roster still constructed, like you said, that's built this way. It'll be interesting to see what they want to do now with this new head coach, uh, with a new system, maybe a more traditional system, maybe one that doesn't rely completely on Harden and Westbrook doing everything and doesn't rely on only having guys six foot eight or below on the court. Yeah. Uh, maybe a more traditional style offense. Uh, I don't really know this guy's style. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, with the Mavericks, I guess you could think more recently with this most recent team, like with Doncic's team, you didn't really have a ton of size outside of Porzingis. Uh, you did run with a lot of taller, I'd say stretch fives. Uh, you're talking about Maxi Kleba, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith as a wing. Uh, so they, they have a lot of different guys that weren't necessarily traditional centers. So I think that they can work with this roster. I think, I think Silas can work with this roster, but they are probably going to end up signing a few big men and we'll get, to that in free agency talk but the cap space is going to absolutely be a pain in the butt for this team um to get this roster to be a little more like they'd probably want it to be yeah that's why i wouldn't be surprised if siles basically inherits uh, a system that he has to play to just because of the roster construction you have eric gordon signed for multiple years you got the big harding contract you got the big westbrook contract Mm -hmm. 
there is so little room for flexibility with this roster. You might just have no choice but to just play this way. And I don't know, maybe you find a diamond in the rough with minimum deals or some sort of second round draft pick you can run or you you take a shot and throw Tyson Chandler at the center spot. Probably not. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I don't think that that's not going like, to let him keep his job. No way. So, I mean, I, I'm really interested I think it's I think it's it's celebratory to see this man put, put this much time and finally get his NBA coaching gig. But at the same time, I'm sure if he could pick a different world, I'm not sure maybe this is the roster. He such a specialized roster would be what he inherits. But you know what? This is this is the NBA. This is this is what you get. This is the world that that you gotta be adaptable to. Yeah, I mean, he's been an assistant for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe at varying levels of assistant, but an assistant nonetheless. And you don't think at some point during this 20 years, he's like, I should be a head coach because I've been in the league this long. It's my time. I don't think he was being very picky at this point. He's not like, oh, the Rockets? That's a tough situation. I don't want that. He's like, no, this is a head coaching job. They have a talented roster. These players are great. I think I, I'm I'm ready for this. Even if it's going to be not the ideal situation for me, I'm going to make it try to work because I want a head coach on my resume at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. So moving on there from the Rockets over to Daryl Morey, who said he wanted to spend mm. more time with his family when he mutually agreed <laughs> to part with the Rockets. And, <laughs> but here we are, man. It's five-year deal to run the Sixers basketball operation. So there is commitment here. Uh, you know, this isn't the type of deal that gets worked out in, in two days. Like this, 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 uh, this had been t- been in discussions for a while with Daryl yeah. Morey. And so I, I got to think the Rockets were aware that this was happening in the last few weeks. Uh, you know, <laughs> so he gets his job and this is interesting. And I got to give credit to the Sixers when you talk about, you know, people complain about their franchises, not spending the money, not going all in and, this team in the last few years <laughs> is going all in. Uh, Elton Brand, Man. God, this dude is daring for what he's doing here. Ownership as well. <laughs> They're trying to make up for those those years, the process years of Sam Hankey where they were the cheap team that was willing to just go all in on losing, and now they're going all in on <laughs> on getting the best, the better names that are in the market. So Daryl Morey paired up with Doc Rivers. Paired up again with a team that's um, less the complete contrast to what he had in in Houston. This team has size. Uh, in fact, so they most of their money is committed. Seventy percent of their <laughs> of their cap is committed to dudes over six foot eight. So uh, complete opposite yeah. <laughs> here. Non shooters, not quite as many as most NBA teams. So, what do you foresee here, Sean? I'd like to hear oh, your thoughts. Man. It's just so interesting, right? Because, I mean, I feel like Elton Brand is just chasing names. Yeah. Like, he's just going after names at this point. I know Delamore Morey is a good GM. Like, he was a good GM. I-, I don't know exactly how much more goes into basketball operations because, I mean, Elton Brand is the GM. Right. So, for, for Daryl Morey to come in as in basketball operations, I don't really know who's going to have more say in how the team's constructed. I would think Maury because basketball operations is a higher position, but I don't know what's exactly like, how is this a coveted position for him? I mean, 
you have one system it works for you uh, to an extent obviously didn't get him to a championship but you have the, the three pointers you have layups you have a short a small lineup that can just run the floor that that is your system but you're now paired up with doc rivers who a lot of people claim is not known for following analytics very well <laughs> as your head coach but they do have a pre-existing relation they do have some histories there so maybe they're able to just water under the bridge with that situation. But yeah, Joel Embiid is your franchise player. He's slow. He's a center. He's seven foot. He's a big man. He cannot run the floor. He can shoot the three, kind of. <laughs> and then you have Ben Simmons, who can't do anything that you would want him to do. So it's just a weird fit. Yeah. I feel like it was more name value than anything because the Sixers are just, they're, like you said, they're so all in. Uh, on this few year run that they have right now with Embiid and with Simmons and the rest of this roster that's honestly very talented they they have to win or else this whole thing's going to get blown up again and in like 2023 you're going to see the Sixers as like one of the worst teams in the league again so I don't know man it, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all I, I don't see this moving the needle for them I don't I don't See, at this turning into anything except for chaos. Like, this could just be completely chaotic. They could end up trading Joel Embiid for some, like, random wings on other teams just because Maury doesn't understand how to use him. Like, I I just don't... I'm kind of scared, but kind of excited to see, like, what becomes of this situation. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You... This... this, I mean, like, again, like, it feels like the last three years, Elton Brand has just gone all in on what's the best thing available in the market that year. And I mean, just because it's the best thing on the market that year does not mean it's the best thing you could get as, as a prime example is going to be this free agency class where, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the best, Yeah, don't (laughs) don't spend big money on these guys. I mean, they're good guys, (laughs) but they're not the best guys. They may be the best thing you could get in this, in the market this year, but they're not going to be the best thing for your team. And it just feels like that's what Elton brand has done. And, getting Tobias Harris with that max super max deal, Al Horford Mm -hmm. on that max contract and now getting Daryl Morey and getting Doc Rivers as, you know, as the head coach that was available at that time. And I mean, Doc Rivers is, isn't too bad. Uh, You know, you did need that change, but it was almost a, maybe you may waited a little bit too long, but getting Daryl Morey with an already established core roster here. And a lot of guys that have actually lost trade value, I would say the last, the last two years, this last year, yeah. and Tobias and Al Horford. I don't. I mean, Joel Embiid, uh, Josh Richardson. Josh even. Richardson. He has no trade. Like he's he fell a lot in value. Exactly. And Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I mean, if it turns into utter chaos midway in through this year, or at the end of this year, teams are going to be take are going to try to you know lowball you as much as they possibly mm-hmm. can. And again, it's going to turn into chaos real fast and it might take years to recover from it if this team decides to be to just decide to be like this roster doesn't work and we're going to build it to fit our vision and we're going to trade away one of our star pieces uh, which is Ben Simmons or a Joel Embiid. I just don't see teams really giving them the equal value that these guys deserve to get. Yeah, I I don't see it happening either and Maybe he's had a change of heart, though, you know? Maybe he's like, you know, I tried the analytics thing. I tried to make it work, and it didn't work. So I'm willing to be flexible and let 
let, let's try the like basically the complete opposite roster mm-hmm. and see if that works instead and then i'll never trust analytics again <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah i guess a, a, a good example of that was like what paul george that trade like okc got everything they could have wanted there mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know but I, I could see just being it just being a stunner where uh, yeah, I mean, some team gets Joel Embiid and, and the 76ers just get like two picks and some <laughs> kind of decent guy or something crazy. I don't know. I could see that happening yeah. there, but uh, we'll see what develops there in that chaos. And that's, maybe they do have something hidden up their sleeve once we actually get into free agency. But man, I'm, the Sixers are so interesting, man. They, like also bringing on Dave Yeager as an assistant the ex-kings coach and then i didn't even realize sam cassell was planning on tagging along with rivers um then leaving the clippers to to go coach with doc i mean yeah this is an interesting <laughs> coaching staff interesting roster daryl Morey, man this is they're gonna be entertaining man yeah something something weird's gonna happen so something i didn't i mean i feel like i've seen this before but just the contrast of the two men like doc rivers former nba player and you got Daryl mm-hmm. Morey, who got his MBA from MIT. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like analytics, analytics yes, dude, all analytics, all in highest high highest end of on on that side of the world. And then you got Doc Rivers, who is you know obviously a yep. former NBA player. So like just totally contrasting views here. Oh yeah. Uh, anyways, just last tidbit. But moving on from there, we got Amari Stoudemire joining Steve Nash coaching <laughs> staff in <sighs> you know with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to see his name back, but I, I'm not really sure what the <laughs> value you? is here. <laughs> uh, well, it's just so blatantly obvious that they're just going to try to copy the pick and roll offense that Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire ran themselves mm-hmm. in Phoenix. It, like they're just trying to do the exact same thing in Brooklyn with Kyrie and Durant. I don't think that's going to work out at all. Durant's not a pick and roll player. Like, I don't understand that at all. Like, he's not big like Stoudemire. He's a totally different player. And Kyrie is a totally different player than Steve Nash. So uh, this is just going to be a disaster. They're going to have to fire Steve Nash. I'm sorry. This isn't going to work at all. Yeah, I kind of see the – I could see the the conversation happening. Like, we couldn't do it as players. Let's do it as coaching buddies with this roster. it's a freaking joke. But (laughs) – uh, I mean, it's just like, again, on one end, you see, you know, Steven Siles, like, you know, he was big basketball player for a long time. Uh, and then 20 years as an assistant coach, really buying his time and paying his dues. And, and we'll, you know, and, and then you got Steve Nash. I mean, great player. Maybe this isn't the best <laughs> example, but still like, you know, first time head coach of a really, really good team. Uh, and that's yeah. it's just like the the how weird this whole coaching world can be sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Like Jacques Vaughn should be the coach of this team. Yeah. Like for sure. In my, in my opinion, like please prove me wrong, Steve Nash, but I just, I have no faith in his ability to coach this team to meaningful wins. It's gotta be a learning process, right? And the learning process can be, can be a struggle sometimes and taking this roster on may not be the best best thing i think i think i think just the fact that you're willing to gamble on steve nash while you only have durant and irving for maybe like two years that's so sketchy (laughs) it's like what are you gonna give steve nash this whole first year to learn how to be a coach 
and then just hope next year you win because he's there's no way he gets this done in his first year as a head coach first year as any type of coach it's like Nick Nurse is another is one thing when he's been a G League coach and he's been through different systems and he's actually coached before. It's totally different. I understand he, the Raptors win a championship, sure, but this is just a totally different scenario. Like, I just there's just no there's no right answer here. Like this makes no sense at all. I, I I'm with you. You know, you had names out there. You I guess you could you could have gone in Doc Rivers, maybe Tyron Lue, maybe uh you know maybe you get take a swing with Stan Van Gundy guys who have been through the trials and tribulations. Maybe the hell I think Mike D'Antoni had coaches team better than Steve. Yeah. Nash. He also had a Mike D'Antoni out there. So who knows? We'll see. But along the veins of Stan Van Gundy, this man gets his job back. Last time he's coached in 2017 and he is the Pelicans head coach. I think the God. real loss here is losing this guy from the broadcasting booth. I actually like this guy. Wait, I really? I like Stan Van Gundy. Really? I enjoyed you him. You liked Stan Van What? Why? What, wait, what did he bring to I thought you? he was funny he was sometimes. Annoying. I thought he was no, funny. No, he is so corny, man. <laughs> and he brought some oh. insights. Relative to what I we can't. had, I thought he was one of. The, I thought he was good. Maybe not one of. The, I'm not gonna say one of the best. No, he was cringy. I thought man. he was tolerable. I like Stan Van he Gundy. Was, he was getting better. He was better than Jeff Van oh, Gundy. Yeah, but not good. He was not a good commentator. I'm sorry. He's just. <laughs> he came off really grumpy too. I I just do not. He did not really add anything for me. I I like Stan, and I I, oh. I feel sad that we're gonna lose him. I could see how he was starting uh, oh, to no. develop <laughs> and become a better, you know, better commentator. Oh, uh, brother. But and, you know, I guess in better news, I'm sure it pays better too. Is he's a head coach of the Pelicans and. You know, this is a guy with a winning record. Like, this is a winning coach. Like, he did well in Miami. He did well in Orlando with the, you know, four out, one in type offense with Dwight Howard and resurrecting the careers of Rashad Lewis and, you know, making J.J. Redick where he is today. Uh, Demir Nelson became an all-star under Stan Van Gundy. A lot of guys played really well. Hito Turklu, he got a lot of guys big paydays after those Orlando days. And I think Stan Van Gundy... Is actually not a bad choice, in my opinion. He's a likable guy. He has great history with developing young, up-and-coming players like a Dwight Howard or a Dwayne Wade. And I mean, I think he might be able to do something special with with this with this young Pelicans roster. Is that all that enough to forgive his Detroit years? <sighs> I I think the Detroit year Detroit has just not been a great franchise over the last you know 10 years and i mean does this pelican team have that much more talent than the detroit team did much more promise yes younger and more promising Mm. yeah i i think so yeah that that pistons team was not that great what do you have he had you had blake griffin andre drummond reggie jackson i don't think he had blake griffin yeah blake griffin was there in 2017 was he there in 2017? Okay, so he yeah. had Blake Griffin one year. That was he was already yeah. on his way. He had out. Tobias Harris there. He was already he on Tobias his way. Harris well, there. Blake, okay, he had Tobias. Yeah, he had Reggie Jackson, but he had a Contavious Caldwell Pope. Yeah, I guess it was okay. Well, he did get them to the playoff one of those years. One out of the four, barely. One out of the barely. four. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, I would say the Pelicans roster is significantly better than Drummond, KCP. A red overpaid Reggie Jackson, 
Uh, <laughs> and Blake Griffin, who, you know, sulking Blake Griffin upset about being traded. <laughs> yeah. And, and KCP was already looking to get out at Detroit as well. Yeah, I think this – and I think they had an old Josh Smith on that roster too. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess are we are we looking at him trying to – rekindle that four out one in system with with zion instead of dwight howard is that the route we think he's going to take with this or or is that or zion not that type of player do we think he's gonna have to just go with something a little more traditional i'm not really sure what to expect from from van gundy i think the pelicans are headed into free agency with some cap space they could make a make a move for somebody maybe um Hmm. so it will be interesting, you know, how he how he does decide to play to play Zion. Maybe we do see some of that. I don't think we'll see that entirely as the main identity of this team with Zion in the middle and four out. But I wouldn't be surprised if we do see some of that at times here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it can work as long as Zion's healthy, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, he is a lot shorter than Dwight Howard and... I don't know if you can rely on a system where a guy might be injured half of the year. So I don't know. It'll be a very interesting thing. I mean, obviously you could just bring back a lot of the roster you had last year, maybe a few more role players. Cause I mean, that's really all that's all that's going to be available for you. This free agency is some role players and you're just gonna have to hope Zion stays healthy. Otherwise, then this is going to be a large rebuilding project that Stan Van Gunny is going to have to navigate and while I think those he definitely did help those Orlando Magic teams exceed expectations, this is a lot younger team, and it's going to be a lot harder to get these guys to compete in this Western Conference that is way more stacked than ever. I mean, in Orlando, you only had to deal with the Eastern Conference too. That's another thing. Now you got to deal with the Western Conference, and you got so many teams ahead of you that that's a struggle, man. I, I think. This is a t- this is a tough job, man. I think Steven Silas and on the Rockets has an easier time than than uh, Stan Van Gundy here. Really, I would way rather be in Van Gundy's shoes and inherit this. I would not, dude. You ha- to make Z- you have to make Zion work. That is so hard, man. I mean, like you already know James Harden and Westbrook can play. I mean, you got an All Star and Ingram, an up and coming All Star, only getting better. The expectation, I mean, and you got some cap space. You got the old buddy JJ Redick there. I mean, you got, no, buddy. You, got, you got, you know, future all-star and Lonzo Ball. You just got to keep Zion healthy. Let's uh, so cool it on the future yeah. all-star let's there, buddy. Josh Hart to keep knocking down those corners. He's not threes. a Laker anymore. You don't have to protect them. <laughs> Maybe let's, let's, let's get Lonzo to have a bad season. Uh, that way the Pelicans don't pick up his option and he, he becomes an oh, unrestricted man. free agent and the Lakers pick him up. This is your prophecy, man. You're just trying to speak this into it's existence. It's going to at this happen. Point. It's going to happen. But let's go to the. the yeah. pick. We'll see what happens with Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, I don't know. Don't doubt. Don't doubt my man, Stan. So yeah, your man. Yes. <laughs> let's go to the Pacers hiring. Uh, you know, a very uh, not very well known name. Uh, Sean, you take a stab at pronouncing this band. <laughs> I can pronounce this. Not name. very easy Nate. to pronounce name. This is Nate. <laughs> Nate. You just call him Coach yeah. Nate. I think it's Jorkrin. Bjorkin. If I had to guess. Bjorkrin. I don't know. It's very Norse. How does somebody named Nate end up with a last name like this? 
Uh, sounds pretty <laughs> Viking to me. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Jorkgren. Jorkgren. We got Nate. We Jork- got Nate here. Uh, yeah, Coach Nate. Former. <laughs> Nate. They had a. They had a Nate. Nate McMillan. Now they got. Now they got this guy. Him, yeah, you couldn't move away from Nate, but I mean, <laughs> Nate's taken replacing a Nate McMillan that has really done. I thought a, who did a fantastic job with the post Paul George Pacer team. You know, got him to the playoffs yeah. in every single one of his four years. Uh, this team just seemed to look to be getting better every year, except, you know, this year they took a slight step back towards the end there with DeMontis Sabonis's injury. But that was yeah. out of that, you unlock the diamond in the rough and TJ Ford, um, TJ, yeah, TJ Warren. Warren. Yeah. TJ Warren. Who the hell is TJ Ford? <laughs> hey, you really dug into the well <laughs> yeah. for TJ Ford. TJ Ford. I think that was a point guard in like the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> TJ Warren, uh, you know, and. This Pacer team looks pretty, pretty promising next year with a healthy Sabonis, and you convince all Depot to stay, and and you get the same magic from t- bubble magic of, out of TJ Warren, and you got yourself a pretty solid team. Uh, and it kind of sucks for Nate McMillan to not be able to uh, really cash in on that, but instead, yeah. you know, you bring in a brand new Nate. Who this guy is interesting. You know, he'll be one of the few NBA coaches who has won both a G League uh, championship at work uh, with the Iowa Energy and also an NBA-level mm-hmm. championship as an assistant under Nick Nurse. So this is a guy who's also paid his dues, and I thought this was super interesting. Mm-hmm. He goes way back with uh, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse was the coach uh, both in his college and back in Dakota. Um, and then after, after that, they linked up back again in the – in the D league back in 2007 formally. Mm. And he was an unpaid volunteer there. Uh, in his first year, his second year, he made 500, he made 500 bucks and 2,500 bucks. 2, bucks. And his third year and essentially, you know, paid the bills as a part-time gym teacher. Uh, so when you wow. talk about paying, paying their dues, this is one of those guys <laughs> like, you know, middle. Yeah, of- this is the ladder. Exactly. I thought Steven Silas was the ladder. This is the ladder, yeah. man. Holy like cow. middle of the pack college, you know, D one basketball, one of those D one basketball programs that's way below the radar and, you know, climbs the ladder. <laughs> and now he's an NBA coach Wow. Uh, and he's got a G league championship and an NBA championship under his belt. And he's inheriting a great roster. So, this is a guy who obviously, you know, has great character. I got to imagine, and uh, really has the X's and O's down. Uh, so now it's just a matter of like, can he handle this this workload that he's got ahead of himself as as a head coach of a team that's going to have more expectations than they have had in the last five years? What do you think here about mm-hmm. about this about our boy Nate here? Oh yeah, yeah, Coach Nate, two point yeah. right here. I, I think I think having that championship pedigree was really important for the Pacers because I mean, there's a team that obviously they have good expectations going into the next year, but no one sees them as a contender, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot more they can do with their roster, especially this year. Because I mean, there's not really a lot of good free agents. They're locked into a lot of contracts. But they all have a lot of good players. And Sabonis, all-star level. Ogalipo and Brogdon can both play all-star level. You have the talent. You have good depth. But the coaching, I, I think, just needed to take one more extra step. I and mean, McMillan's a great coach. I and mean, he proved that time and time again. 
but he was never i i think similarly to how mark jackson was with the warriors he just wasn't that guy that was going to get them over the hump so they need to take this risk and make this move to go for a guy with championship pedigree and he this guy was the best available in that in that terms of that category uh, i think as far as what i've read about him is very little but i i know he's known for making up very good defensive schemes um, he spoke very highly of Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis in his entrance interview into this position. So I think I think we could expect to see good things from those guys. I think he's going to rely really heavily on them to anchor the defensive side especially. Um, so I, I think I'm going to expect pretty good things from this guy. I think it'll be interesting to see how much of the Raptors' DNA he brings to this team, making kind of a little Raptors 2.0 over there in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, totally hear you on that. They're, at this point, a Tier 2 team in the Western Conference, Tier 2. Like, they might get yeah. to the second round, but they're definitely not, I would say, yeah, favorite to go to the Eastern Conference Finals or beyond. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they – I think they do have potential, though, to be a surprising pick to – I don't want to say the Miami Heat because I still don't think they're, like, a, make a run to the finals, but – yeah. They, well, they are like a Miami Heat team, right? Like, they don't have that superstar status. I mean, Jimmy Butler, probably better than anyone on the Pacers, but you have just a deep roster with great players, and if you can coach them right, then they can go all the way. Yeah, I don't know. Even on my high-end expectation for this team, I'd still say Eastern Conference is the is the, is the the ceiling. But, yeah, if things sure. go things go really well and, you know, you know, the season is long, so if certain chips fall your way, I think this could be a dark horse team to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and, uh, you know, make some noise there. Yeah. Ironically, that we... Yeah, Odalipo, yeah. If he can get Odalipo and Brogdon to play well together, like, that's something we haven't seen from this team yet. Like, that, that backcourt can be so good. Yeah, exactly. We just haven't seen it work out yet. Yeah, I was just going to say, ironic that we call them the Miami like they could be the Miami Heat uh of you know of next year considering that that's yeah. the team they lost to this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah right for real yeah. though any yeah but you know last but not least let's go Tyron Lou yeah. um this was kind of not surprising but also not surprising also a little surprising to me uh so he's up for as the Clippers head coach he got the bag and he got the deal he's been looking for. Bet on himself and he got he got what he wanted. Five year deal to be the head coach for the LA Clippers. Ooh. The years he was looking for out of the Lakers and the Lakers were just not willing to commit that much. Mm-hmm. But surpri- I'm surprised again, and I've said this to you already that Steve Ballmer went with Ty Lue. I really he seemed like the type of guy who likes to swing for the fences, and when something's not working out, I really did expect him to just clean house as as in terms from a coaching wow. perspective but Tyron Lue is here and he is beefing up his uh, his his assistant staff as well uh bringing in Kenny Atkinson a uh, heat assistant Dan Craig and NBA veteran Larry Drew and and perhaps Chauncey Billups so uh Tyron Lue is here to stay huh. and here to build a new uh I'm not sure I don't know new culture for this team we'll Wasn't see Larry wasn't Larry Drew the head coach of the Clippers in the eighties? Possibly, I'm not sure. I guess you, at I'm a, pretty sure he you was. of all people would would know that a lot better than me. I think I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, you can they can look that up. But yeah, Ty, Ty Lue, I do think. I mean, 
I, I understand what you're saying when you say swing for the fences, but I feel like the only thing Steve Ballmer cared about doing was making sure that people that he wanted in there were in there. And he pretty much had all of that. Like he filled all the front office positions. He filled out the roster with players he wanted. And really the only thing that he didn't have a say over was Doc Rivers being the head coach. So now that Doc Rivers is out, I think anyone that Steve Ballmer wanted, that was his that was gonna be his way. And I, I think Ty Lue fit that bill. I think it's a very I would say conservative, but like a solid pick. I mean, he has championship pedigree, played with superstars before, um, knows the system now that he's been there for a year. Um, so you don't really have to go too far externally to find him. I, I think it's a solid hiring overall. When I when I saw the news break, I, I know you expected a much larger reaction from me. <laughs> and I, I got to say, there honestly wasn't that much to react to. I mean, yeah, Ty Lue got the job. Like, fine yeah <laughs> like i'm not i'm not like it's like when the lakers signed frank vogel you know like how what was your reaction to that like oh okay that's fine i guess <laughs> like yeah it, he'll probably be all right yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of how i feel about tyloo yeah i feel like it kind of sucks a little disrespectful maybe to these guys because you know there's a reason why there was no reaction i think because these guys are great coaches uh they're just not the yeah the big uh, controversial names on the high end <laughs> or on the lower end. Like, you know, right. like the Steve yeah. Nash would be, I guess, a hot, a lower end controversial. Yeah. It's like a Mike D'Antoni mm-hmm. or like a name, like I'm, I'm not sure Phil Jackson. Or even Dar- like, I mean, Daryl Morey going to the Sixers as the basketball operations. Like that's the other side of that. Yeah, too. Exactly. So Tyron Lue, definitely the conserv- more conservative pick, but I thought the way the NBA season ended, I, 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 I was, expecting a, a surprise in that circle but <laughs> i mean steve Ballmer seems obviously uh, he's obviously a smart guy very calculated man has had a fantastic career in his professional life so i think if he got to make if he got this pick and this is who he wanted then i'm sure he had a lot of good reasons for making this pick so now let's see what the clippers can do uh on the actual basketball court now um now God, I hope Paul George is in the gym, man. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I need him in the gym right now. Yeah, interesting memes going around uh, with Paul about Paul George uh, being the the new guy coming to LA, but being the new guy coming to LA that is not celebrating an NBA championship in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, a big big uh, big reference point to to the LA Dodger players and. Uh, obviously the newcomers and the Lakers first year players who have now are now champions. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the NBA start rumors. Uh, nothing official yet, but the NBA is devising a plan to potentially start the season December 22nd with a 70 to 72 game under the season and really an NBA season that limits travel. Uh, since it looks like there won't be an agreement to a bubble players are pretty adamant that that's not, something they want to do so we'll be seeing more mlb style system where teams play multiple games within the same city uh to really avoid the back and forth of playing one team one off and then another team in another location which honestly has always made a lot of sense to me but uh i guess it's just like the way for some for whatever reason this is just not the way the nba has ever liked to do things but uh, i mean this would be a good (laughs) Case study, I mean, I guess it gets a little boring to see the Lakers play 
I don't know, the Sacramento Kings four times in a row or the <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah. No, yeah. For MLB, it makes sense. They already play the same team four times mm-hmm. in a row. Like, that's just their normal schedule. But, for, yeah, for the NBA, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of just kind of weird to see, like, the Lakers not play the Clippers at multiple parts of the season. As a side note, I did look up the Clippers. It was Larry Brown that was the head coach of the Clippers in the oh. 80s, not Larry Drew. Okay. I, I got that a little mixed up, but I, I needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but I, I think this is a pretty interesting like decision, honestly, because nothing that we heard prior to this news dropping indicated that we were going to get any basketball for the rest of this year. Like we were pretty reserved to basketball starting in January because that's all Adam Silver would give us. But they must have gone back to the checkbooks, back to back to the accounts and been like, oh, we took quite a big hit there. What can we do to, to, to get this guy up and running again as soon as possible? And this seemed like the, the easiest option to do that. But man, the logistics that are going to have to go into this seem just really hard. Yeah. I, I mean, if there's one league that can do it i guess it's the nba but yeah this is going to be a mm-hmm. really really quick turnaround especially for a lot of these teams uh you know the four teams who just basically played in the playoffs just a couple yeah. weeks ago lakers denver miami um and uh who the heck what i'm forgetting who played in these the, <laughs> the celtics, celtics. <laughs> the eastern conference finals <laughs> i mean it's i mean especially miami and the lakers i mean this is a huge turnaround. I mean, they're still oh, like yeah. they essentially got to start getting back into the, into the gym in the next two weeks in order to be in somewhat decent shape <laughs> in real. training camp to maximize that time there. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, you spent four months away from your family too. It's like, man. yeah, exactly. And, and now you're, you're having to start to revamp again. But I mean, also to the other end, the teams who were not invited to the bubble or the teams who, you know, never made the playoffs. Like they've had a lot of time off now. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure yeah, they're itching right? to get back and they're itching to get paid, especially some of these free agents uh, who were not in the playoffs. So, and again, yeah, I'm sure the NBA is also looking at their checkbook and like, okay, we got to, we got to get this machine going again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, this, this is an interesting quote from Danny green, about this whole situation they asked him about it and they said he said and lebron probably was really upset that he even said anything about him but he's like yeah lebron would probably take the first month off if they were to start january or uh, december 22nd which is like nba doesn't want that because obviously all the lebron games are the highest rated games that are played on national Mm -hmm. television throughout the season so they'd have to avoid playing the lakers on national television for that long and and that just takes away from the grandeur of the NBA. LeBron runs so much of our economy here. And just him blatantly coming out and saying that, it's just like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> that is just pretty gnarly. And and then you have a lot of players reportedly pushing for an MLK Day start um, with December 1st as a start of free agency because they're in agreement that they don't, they don't want to start the season yet. Uh, I'm sure most of those teams were in the bubble because like you said i'm sure the teams that haven't played since march are itching to get out there um although they're in a minority is only like eight of the teams so there's a lot i think there's a lot of factors in here this plan i mean i trust adam silver like 
fully at this point. Like he has given us no reason to not trust him because he's made just good decision after good decision. Uh, this is going to be really tough to pull off. And I don't think everyone involved is going to be happy about it. But at the end of the day, I think what's best for the NBA is going to happen. I, I do think it will be this plan as an NBA fan. I hope it's this plan because that just means basketball sooner for us. I mean, we'd get basketball in seven weeks. Like how sick would that be? <laughs> that's that's like, so crazy. <laughs> that, that would be crazy. Yeah. That doesn't even seem that far off. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea. Um, the execution is interesting. I do like that. They're including the play in tournament still for the eighth seed at the end of the regular season. Um, I think that, that that's something good we got from from the bubbles that we t- got to try out some of these new ideas and um, I like that they're incorporating other ideas from the sports that have made it work and got through a season um, without COVID completely shattering it. Uh, but I think I think at the end of the day, like who who knows where the vaccine will be at this point seven weeks from now if we'll have it or not. But if we don't, we're gonna start seeing the NBA facing the same reality that the NFL and the MLB had to face, and that there's gonna be players with positive COVID tests, and they're just gonna to have to play through it. That seems crazy. There is that dynamic as well. The external forces of, you know, the last few days we've already started seeing cases start spiking up again, as we start getting closer into what would normally be the flu season in in the U.S. and yep. now we're getting temperatures are going to start dropping and flu the actual flu season is going to start and what that's going to have an impact on coronavirus cases. So there is also that external force at work here. So whether or not the NBA moves forward with this, we'll see. And I think this is something that will probably drop within within the next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess uh, as I'm sure people owners players and league of the league itself is getting anxious to to get something on paper and, and move forward with this uh but i mean based on what's essentially happened after the year i mean we all saw this coming is that the nba overall did lose revenue and essentially based off the cba construction salary cap would be as a strong correlation to to the revenue that the league brings in so lower revenue means that the likely the salary cap would also be reduced and right now, estimates are looking at $90 million a reduction. Oh. So, uh, you know, teams like some of the these higher spending, spending teams like the Warriors, Lakers, and 76ers, Rockets, like that luxury yeah. tax is going to hit. They're already in yeah, luxury tax, yeah. Which they were before, but even more yeah, exactly. so now. It's deeper now you enter another tier, like because the way the salary tax works is there's different tiers to it. So, and you know, the repeater tax might hit a little bit harder. So, and I mean, I'm sure obviously the free agents this year, like if you're looking, if you were looking like Fred Van Fleet on the higher end of being a $20 million a year player, you might, your expectations might have to be adjusted a bit here with this news. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good year to be a free agent. That's for sure. And I, I, I'm optimistic that that 90 million number is a minimum. Mm -hmm. Because if the league only ended up losing about 10% of overall revenue, which, which is a big chunk, and because they're able to recruit, recoup quite a bit of it with the bubble system, I, I think, the, think the salary cap was $109 million last year. Yep. And taking 10% from that, if it was directly correlated to revenue, 10% of that wouldn't be $90 million. It'd be like $99 million. So I'm hopeful that we're not going to see the salary cap reduced that much. 
And I'm also hopeful that if we do end up going with this plan to start the season December 22nd with the 70 to 72 game season, that they'll be able to get a lot of revenue from this season too, because I think, I, I guess the 90 million factors in, like if we had to shorten the next season as well um, to get back on track. But if we're able to play out most of that season, I like to think that we'd be able to keep the salary cap at a pretty similar level to what we have it right now, or maybe just a small reduction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that might be the part of the discussions right now that are holding up an official announcement here is see see where the math works out i'm i mean if it's pretty if it's on this lower end like it's going to change a lot of team strategies and free agents strategy like we might see a lot of one-year deals type type scenarios and that might change a lot Mm -hmm. of where these guys fall and i mean i think this is like a perfect transition into our free agency speculation of what of the top 10 players that we think will actually potentially hit the market. There's obviously some bigger names from from a free agency standpoint, like a Gordon Hayward, Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, all, all guys that are very, you know, well, Brandon Ingram, the Pelicans picked up his option. Uh, Gordon Hayward is likely to pick up his player option. Uh, Anthony Davis, uh, I don't think it's good. He's built he, the beans already. He's not even going to come to that. He's going to get signed by the Lakers. It's not even, not even a yeah, question. So we're, we're essentially not even really going to speculate on those guys. Um, but I think we'll start with a guy who, you know, he, he is up in the air, whether he is going to, he has no option. So it, it's a matter of like whether he resigns or, or he is going to test the market. And that's Fred Van Fleet. You know, the example out there is he's one of the better guys on the market, seventeen points a game, uh, you know NBA champion, and he's still he's still like I think I think I think he's twenty seven, so he's still you know a great player in his yeah, prime. In his yeah. prime. Mm-hmm. So I broke it down this way. It, it's always hard to speculate on these because there's so many different things that could potentially happen. So this is more on the conservative end. But if he wants to go for a payday, you got the Pistons and you got the New York Knicks <laughs> who can throw even if even with the new cap. They can throw twenty million at him if they wanted. Mm-hmm. They have that cap space, and they are in need yeah. of just quality players. And Fred Van Fleet is one of those quality <laughs> guys. So if he's going after the bag multiple years, uh, and the ball's in his hands, these are two franchises that would gladly take him. The middle end, yeah, Miami's an interesting one. Miami can have the cap space. It's it's interesting though. That would mean Goran Dragic coming off his thirteen million. Uh, so that would you could do a direct swap here, Fred Van Fleet for instead of Drogic and let him walk, or you could essentially hmm. try to convince one of these guys to take lesser money. Uh, so, and, but you know, Fred Van Fleet would get the chance to play with a potential contender, and this would instantaneously make the Miami Heat really good, a um, lot better than last year with yeah. a guy like that on the roster. Obviously, the lower end. This is my dream scenario. He takes the mid-level exception for one year, comes back, joins his buddy Danny Green, and goes after a title. Oh, or this is a really <laughs> far stretch. Somehow the Lakers can convince the Raptors, sign and trade for Danny Green. Lakers oh, get Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> and the Raptors get Danny Green back. Yeah, that's not happening. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> what kind of, is this? What kind of content is that? Yeah. <laughs> You're just trying to get him on the Lakers. If there's a way to do it, I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna you try just, my best just, to speak it into existence. Hey, if 
if Fred Van Fleet gets on the Lakers this offseason, I want to see the receipt for your Fred Van Fleet jersey the day of <laughs> his signing. Okay, because you love this guy way too much. I I know you. I know you'd get that oh, jersey. Oh yeah, I, I think this. I think this is a. He's a quality basketball player. I just like the way he plays. Oh yeah, uh, I would love to have him on on the Lakers. Oh yeah, and he's got that swagger, that confidence. You know, he's willing to take the last yeah. shot if if no one else will. Like that. That is a trait you can't really teach. It just comes with experience. And yeah, this guy. This guy's a proven baller. And I, I, I think the Pistons, the Knicks, I, I'm going to throw another team into this for, for a lot of these guys because of the cap space they have the Atlanta mm-hmm. Hawks. Um, the Hawks have just an absurd amount of cap space, and I know they're going to waste it on some terrible players, but maybe Fred Van Fleet gets to be at least a decent pick for, for this, this Hawks team. That I mean, it has a lot of young talent, really unproven. Um, they, they just need a little extra veteran presence. I, I think Fred Van Fleet could do well there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Miami does make sense. Although, do I think that they'd be that much better off if they let go of Dragic and got Van Fleet? I don't think it'd be that much more. Like Dragic was really good yeah, last year. I guess year. I was thinking more if they found a way to keep both of these guys. Yeah, I don't see that Probably happening. Their, their cap is huge. Like you said, with with Dragic on the books again, like, and he's gonna want like a pretty similar amount to what he was making because he didn't really fall off. He just got injured at yeah, the end there. Yeah, had a great last like, year. As long as he comes back healthy, yeah, like he had a great year. I think I think he kept his value really well. Um, but I mean, what what do you think his odds are of staying in Toronto though? I mean, that's that's an option we haven't really and looked that, at. And that's the thing too is like if he were to walk away. The teams that could give him the higher end money is like the Hawks, Knicks, Pistons, teams like that. We're talking lower, lower yeah. tier teams. But he could also get that mm-hmm. money from the Raptors if they're willing to do it. Uh, and and that's the they don't just again that's why these scenarios are interesting. It just depends what Fred Van Fleet wants. Like the Raptors, I, I'm sure like the Raptors have his bird rights, so they can go over the cap and bringing him back. But if Fred Van Fleet is looking for a multiple year mm-hmm. deal. Uh, I don't know if the Raptors are willing to commit to that. I would think they probably. I mean, he proved himself a pretty integral piece of the team, though. I mean, you'd think that they'd want to give him something, you know, something for that loyalty, for for being that guy. Like they're gonna want to. It just depends him. how much of a player they want to be in the future free agency classes as they continue to as yeah. they as they get again. It's it's that notion of like this is probably on the weaker end of free agency class. Is it worth, you know, opening up the wallet too much here? And I, I got to think Fred Van Fleet is going to be looking for 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 multiple years, a uh, multiple year deal mm-hmm. uh, being in being in his yeah. right in his prime. Um, yeah, I feel like the Raptors could still be a player, though, because the only other guys that they even have like any inkling of trying to resign are, are Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. I don't think Gasol's coming back, but I think Serge Ibaka maybe but I still think of those three, Fred, Fred Van Fleet's the one they want to yeah. keep. So I, I could still see them being a pretty big player, giving him like $15 million a year for like over three years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he, he could take that type deal unless he hears New York calling with a bag of $20 million, <laughs> and $20 million per year yes. for four years. <laughs> yeah, just to get that Julius Randall yeah, money, man. Exactly. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, and then go to a contender after yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. So then moving on from there, Bogdan Bogdanovic. This is this is an interesting name. And I I mean he he put up some good numbers 
he 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 seems like a quality player, but again, it's like it's hard to tell how good he really is for me. I, I'm I'm just not yeah. sure he is he someone you want to go 15 million, 12 million for multiple years, or hmm. or is here is he a guy you try to? I mean, what is the market for for Bogdan? It's it's hard for me to say well, really. I I mean, you think about it, like there's a lot to like about this guy. I mean, he's a wing player. Mm-hmm. He he's a three or four type of player. He averaged 15 points a game last year on 37 percent shooting. That's pretty good. I think a lot of teams would benefit from that. And so I th- I think that there's a lot of fits here. I, I think a contender could use a guy like the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I think the Rockets could use a guy like this. Uh, I, I think he'd fit in well with the Thunder. I mean, I, he, I think he feels a little similar to Danilo Gallinari, except he might be even a little cheaper. Uh, so I, I think this guy's pretty versatile. I think he could fit in with a lot of teams. And I feel like Sacramento is not going to keep him because they have just a lot of players on their roster that they've committed money to that they probably regret doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have to cut their losses with, with Bogdanovich here, which is a shame for them. But And you're paying Harrison Barnes $22 million a year, so I mean that's kind of on you. Yeah, I... But yeah, I, th- I think to get cap space, they're probably going to have to let this guy go and try to get someone different because he's not moving the needle for them. I, I just don't think Bogdan would want to be in Sacramento anymore. I think that yeah, oh, those would, lineups yeah. just do not seem to. And again, I think that's why we have this conversation right now where it's like, I'm not really sure what he's worth in the open market truly. Like, is there actually a team that's going to offer him 15 or 12 or is he... Or is, I bet twelve. Twelve seems pretty reasonable. I and mean, he made eight point five million last year, so twelve would be a pretty modest increase for for a guy like this going into his later twenties, into his prime. Yeah, or is he? You know, is he a realistic mid level exception target for like the Lakers, Ooh. like at at five or six? Yeah. Oh man, is he at that point that, in his that's, career? That's already? what I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. Is he? Is he that guy? Is he truly worth twelve? Like. I don't think I don't I think this is a guy that still wants to get his because he hasn't gotten yeah. any yet you know if, like if he was a guy that already got like a large sum of money in his early 20s I think maybe yeah he'd be willing to take that mid-level exception with a contender but I think he's trying to get more money man I I think this guy still thinks that he has a lot more to mm-hmm. offer um, as far as like what he can put on yeah, the court I, I wouldn't I just don't really know where he is, where he's going, but I also wouldn't be surprised if like there's something ridiculous, like he saw, he gets the 15 million from like the Hornets or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I could see that, man. That I don't know if that'd be a good yeah. fit for him. Uh but yeah, I could, see, I I could see it yeah, happening. But this next guy, Joe Harris, when we talk about a team really mm. overspending, is this guy right here? Uh yeah, someone's gonna overspend for Joe Harris for yeah, sure. I think Joe Harris is just just happy going into this free agency because the market is just. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's gonna he's one of the names that any team that has money, I gotta think they have Joe Harris as a potential guy to make an offer to, and I think they will. I mean, this man, a forty two percent from three, fourteen points a game. Whew. He's getting paid eight point three right now. Um, he could, I mean, the Nets could overextend themselves and bring Joe Harris and get deeper into that luxury tax territory 
which I think is a huge fair discussion to really go into if you're serious about contending. <laughs> uh, but again, because uh, other teams, I think they're going to be bidding for him. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy walks or walks out with a twenty million dollar per year Ooh, deal 20. from one of these teams Dang. like the Suns, the Hawks, or the Knicks. Like I think. Oh man, the Suns would do that. Yeah, they? I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Like I don't. I guess I could see in a world where you do make an argument that he's worth that much just because of the unreal and just how the value of three-point shooting is nowadays. But yeah. not worth the overextension here. But yet I could I could see Oof. the Hawks, Suns, or Knicks. I think those are my three yeah. that I have lined up. And he had a really good he had a really good bubble run mm-hmm. too. Like he he did very good for them in that eight in those eight games. And then even in the playoffs against the Raptors, like they obviously didn't win any of the games, but Joe Harris had some very good games in that playoff series. And I remember the announcers even like, man, Joe Harris is gonna get himself some yeah. money next year playing like this. And I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to keep a radar out for that because yeah, someone is gonna pay a lot for this guy just because of his three point shooting and he's a pretty good defender too. Um but man I wish he was on a better team than one of these three that we listed out. Cause yeah. And then, I mean, obviously is he going to resign? I don't think the nets can afford him. They're going to have to go. I, deep. I really don't like, especially, yeah. Especially if we're thinking he's going to get this 20 million from another team. I really don't think Brooklyn can afford him. Like they're just going to be like, all right, fine. We'll, we'll try to find something else, sir. I mean, we're fine with Levert and Dinwiddie still here. So we'll just roll with that. I, I really don't think that they're going to be able to retain. Yeah. So do you see him taking home a ridiculous deal like this? I really do. <laughs> You're, yeah. Because he he is, like, along with Fred Van Fleet, like, these are the big names mm-hmm. in free agency this year, which is, is kind of sad. But at the same time, it's like this. we saw this happen in 2016. This happens every four years, essentially. You see these guys just get these monster deals. Because teams have got money to blow and they don't want to look stupid and have a bunch of cap space going into the season. So you end up with Luol Dengs and Timothy Mozgovs, and, and this is what's going to happen with Joe Harris. But uh, I hope he's a little better than that. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure this guy, he's still playing basketball and he's getting paid tons of money for it. So might as well get the best value that you can for yourself. There's no shame in that yeah totally i mean yeah like like with bogdanovich like a guy making eight million the year before he's gonna like this is his year to Mm -hmm. make money so he's gonna do it he's not gonna sign on for less if the market's there for you yeah take it yeah you're never gonna get it again um Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. a year where there are no many names to compete against so another guy here interesting guy delano gallinari uh, opposite of yeah. Fred Van, you know, or like what we think Joe Harris or Bogdan will be thinking, you know, get the most they can. Gallinari has expressed that mm-hmm. he's looking to potentially, you know, go with a contender. So this just opens it yeah. up to, to really hard to predict oh, where he could go because <laughs> it's like uh, he could. There are teams obviously that can pay him again the same names like Miami potentially could bring Gallinari in with a decent mid-level uh, price like he could outbid some of these other contenders like the Lakers or the Clippers uh, and bring him on you know with a little bit more money than than what the Clippers or Lakers could offer uh, the Nuggets he could go back to the Nuggets the Nuggets are getting Millsap off their books and if they can't convince Grant to to come back maybe Gallinari is the guy that you 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 try to bring back and pair up with with Jokic or 
I mean, maybe dream scenario, you know, you convince him to take a mid-level exception, but then in that case, you're competing against Lakers or Clippers. I don't know. I see, mm-hmm. I see so this, I just don't really know where, where it could go for, for yeah. Gallo, but I would love to see him on the Lakers, man. Of course. Take that mid-level exception. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he definitely did himself some good work this year. Um, keeping his value, showing he's still a very valuable piece in the NBA. I mean, he started for the Thunder most of the year, stayed healthy, which was the big thing for him. That was the only thing that really hampered his career was injury. And he's always been a great player. Uh, it would be interesting to see him go back to the Clippers or the Nuggets, um, have a little bit of a homecoming there. But I, I think there, there's a lot of other teams that are going to be in the running for Gallinari. I mean, this is, this is a six foot ten guy that can shoot the three and space the floor for you. That That is huge. And if he's willing to take less money too, that's so huge too. This guy's going to be getting a lot of calls from a lot of teams. Is he going to resign with OKC ultimately? I'm not sure. I don't think he will just because, uh, I mean, I, I think he liked playing there. I, I mean, I, I mean, the OKC culture is great. I'm sure he enjoyed playing with, with all those guys. But he, he's at a point in his career where he's like, I don't have a lot of these these good years left. I got I to gotta make sure that I'm a contributor on a contending team. And so I do see him moving somewhere with one of these. Maybe four that we said, maybe... Maybe a dark horse like the, like the 76ers or something. I don't, I don't know. Some, something interesting. But, um, yeah, I think the Heat would be very interesting. That would really kind of give them a little extra punch uh, against these Western Conference teams that, I mean, they so obviously needed in this series against the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, at, at, I think the Heat to me looks like the more likely scenario. They can they, – the Heat can bring back Goron on the same money. Yeah. Just get rid of Jay Crowder and replace him with Gallinari. I think that's exactly that's essentially what you do is you let Solomon Hill and Kelly Olenek and Jay Crowder walk off and, <laughs> and yeah. you, you re-sign Goran and you bring back Gallo. Like that's it. That's the roster. You're at the cap. Yeah, that's, that's a, a team. solid yeah. Yeah, team. I'll take that. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I could see that like the Clippers nor the Lakers or any other contenders, mid-level exception can outbid. Uh, the deal that the Miami can give them. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see that happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Davis Beertons, uh, 15 points a game, 42% shooting. Eh, It's a nominal name. Well, it's interesting though, because those are very Joe Harris numbers, aren't they? That's, that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw this, but Joe Harris still stands out more to me than, than Beardens for some reason. Why is that though? Why is that? There's gotta be a volume difference, right? Like Joe Harris just shoots more than, than this guy. I mean, they average the same amount of points. How much more volume could it be? What about it? I mean, obviously, it per tons. Yeah, okay. I, I guess he's on the wizard, so he gets more yeah. time because <laughs> they're just garbage. But I don't know. I, I feel like they're shooting at the same clip regardless. Same amount of points. I, I feel like there's a lot to be said for that. And he's a, he's a guy that can space the floor, shoots three-pointers at 42%. Who's not going to want that? I, I think, yeah, I think there's going to be a market for him. Um uh... Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. You've always disrespected <laughs> Bertans, man. Not. You've always done this. Even when he was on the Spurs, I was like, dude, this guy should have made the three-point contest. You're like, I don't even know <laughs> who that is. I'm like, man. I'm not that excited about this guy. Uh, Put some respect on this throw, guy's I name, a Hawks jersey on him, a Hornets jersey on him. That's where he's going, or another Wizards jersey. He's trying to throw him into mediocrity, <laughs> man. Put him on the Warriors. You'll notice him yeah. then. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, he he would be a good piece there. Does he take that that their exception? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure what to think about this guy. I wouldn't be surprised again 
he probably is another name that just gets signed onto the Suns, Hawks, or Hornets. Hey, you'll you'll see, man. Bertans is. I'm gonna pick him up in fantasy yeah. next year. I'm gonna I'm gonna run the table with him. I think him. this you'll name's see. a little more exciting. Montres Harrell. Uh, Montres Harrell, six six man of the year. Name. What is the market like for Montres Harrell? Mm. Uh, honestly, like the more I looked into it. Again, he's an again he can get paid if he wants from some of these mediocre teams that have the cap space. But if there's one team I think that he could get a fair deal, uh, it's the Raptors. Um, I mean, this is all dependent on how much money goes to Van Fleet, but if there's something left over, uh, the Raptors could essentially swap Ibaka for Montrez, or if they end up losing Fred Van Fleet, Montrez could be a good name that they bring in to, to, add, to, keep, to add some more punch to that roster. Uh, I mean, I think I think I like it. I mean, obviously, this is if the Clippers don't bring him back. Yeah, I I hope the Clippers bring him back. Man, I have a Montrezl Harrell oh, jersey. Right. I don't want that to go out of style already. <laughs> that would be heartbreaking for me, honestly. Montrezl is, well, is my favorite player on the Clippers because of the energy, the drive, the passion he has. Um, his story is just is just awesome. But. I, I don't know if he's as good of a fit on the Raptors as you might think because Ibaka was also a great player for the Raptors because of his ability to shoot the three. And Montrez does not do that at all. He does not space the floor. He's a banger on the on, on the inside. So I, I don't know if that makes as much sense for the Raptors. I could see him being a stretch big for the Rockets though. If they can't afford anybody else with their cap space situation, put him back on the Rockets. Um, give them a little more of an inside presence. Although Montrez is another guy that I think is going to try to secure the bag for himself because this this is his prime years not right now. He's proven his worth. He got six man of the year. I don't think it's going to get any better for him, especially on this Clippers team. So I think unless he can get some large sum of money from one of these teams, like if the Raptors can give him a lot, Hornets or Hawks, sure. If he can't, though, I think he's just going to resign. Uh, with maybe a one year more a one year deal with the Clippers to see if they can get the championship and then test the market the year after. Interesting. That's also possible. Convince him to come back and see if the cap situation gets better yeah. next year. Run it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's always just uncertain on like what these other teams are going to offer because I think he's also a guy who could get. Yeah, you're right. Could get the bag. Like just get like a three four year deal thrown at him from one of these teams. But question yeah. where he wants to do it, but. I think th- this next name, I think I really, Jeremy Grant, this is a, this big, is a name. big name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's wow. like another guy like Joe Harris where it's like he's not a, you know, he's not a star. He's not on the verge of being a star, but just his skill set is just hu- has huge value in today's NBA. Jeremy Grant is super versatile, yeah. uh, can knock down the three. He's a 40% three or, yeah, 40% three-point shooter here if you round up. Um so like mm-hmm. his size to be able to do that. And I mean, he was huge in the playoffs for the nuggets and definitely gave the Lakers a bunch of trouble. Uh, so, I mean, if you're the nuggets, I think you go all in on trying to bring him back, which, and I also think mm-hmm. is the more likely thing to happen here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, th- I $8 million what he was getting paid last year. Okay. See somehow, uh, somehow got away with murder, being able to convince this guy to sign the, <laughs> that deal when he did. I mean, if they would have had him on the roster last mm-hmm. year, I think he would have been enough to 
to beat the Rockets. Very good contributor. But he's on the Nuggets, and he probably was a good reason they were able to go to the Western Conference Finals and stretch the Lakers out to to six games um, or five games um, and almost six games. But uh, so I think the Nuggets should go all in on bringing this guy back. But if there's – if he's – I don't know. I just don't see him not – I see him leaving the Nuggets. Yeah. No, I agree that the Nuggets should go all in getting him. I mean, they gave up a first round pick to get him in the first place. And I don't think they did that just for a one year mm-hmm. rental of the guy. I think they did it to sell him on the franchise and what they had to offer and and the role that they had to offer him on the team. Because, I mean, the, the regular season numbers themselves are deceiving. You're like 12 points a game. Like this guy was averaging way more than that in that Lakers series. And he stepped up as the third scoring option on this team. So I, I think he's seen the role carved out for him. He's seen the path that he's on a contending team now and he is a contributing factor to it. And this is where his career can really take off. I think that is what he's seeing right now. And so I think for him, like he would love to go back to the nuggets. And as long as they're willing to pay him, like, I don't see any, I don't see that not happening, honestly. But if he, they don't, they're not willing to, they think, Oh, you know what? Like Will Barton's coming back. Michael Porter Jr. is looking like he's progressing really well. We don't really feel like we need you, which would be mm-hmm. crazy, I think, in my mind, to say that. But that's a possibility. Yeah, you got to- like Miami, Miami would scoop this man up instantly. Like they would be like, see a Jay Crowder, see a Dragic. We're signing this guy with the rest of our cap space. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I would do it too. Give, give this man a three to four year deal. Like this guy is the mm-hmm. guy that you. When it you know when it comes to playoff basketball and there's that unsung hero that wins a couple games in a series for you, Jeremy Grant <laughs> is totally this guy. Yep, Jeremy Grant. Um, so yeah, I, I Miami Heat swoop him up, and if you're the Nuggets, this is not the time to be a cheap owner. Like there's moments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you go yeah, in yeah, now. There are moments and in <laughs> franchises. Every franchise I think has a history where they look back and they're like, there was a moment where we decided we didn't want to compete contend we were fine just being the, the third and fourth <laughs> seed. and this is the moment for yep. the nuggets is yep. not re-signing jeremy grant it's like when the Suns didn't mm-hmm. re-sign joe johnson back in 2005 they would have had <laughs> joe johnson they would have given yeah, that guy right. money they would be nba yeah. champions they would have been nba champions at some point i think in the uh, mid, late 2000s yeah uh, you can make a strong argument yeah and i think this is this is that moment so i would love to see the nuggets bring back this guy wow. um yeah, let's see it. Let's let's make a three-headed beast <laughs> in the West, man. Or hey, wh- however many headed it has now with the Warriors coming back in. Yeah, Nuggets got to be up yeah. there again. Re-sign I'm not sure man. though if this next name is the is is that guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna mention these just because of the yeah. title. KCP fat favorite for the Lakers. This dude, this dude <laughs> balled in the finals though. He balled. He. You didn't get your jersey I'm, though. You didn't hold oh, true to that. There, there are it's, there are really no KCP jerseys on the Lakers store. Oh, <laughs> what? You could find one on eBay I'd have to or find, something. Yeah, fake one, like or something. But anyways, KCP, interesting guy. <laughs> uh, he turned down at one point a five-year talking about Stan Van Gundy in the Piston days, a five-year, eighty million dollar deal. He declined from the Pistons and went to LA Dang. and started his series of signing one-year deals with this franchise. Uh, and essentially, by this point, he's in the third third year of his contract. Uh, if he would have stuck with that deal in um, in Detroit, he would have $48 million at this point. Right now, he has $37 million, but he has a championship. 
and the lake. That's like, that's exactly. worth it. So <laughs> I I think it's worth it, man. Yeah, he's out eleven million, but I guess if the Lakers really do strike out on free agency, let's just keep the KCP one year deals <laughs> going and give this man his eleven million. If if we do strike <laughs> out, I'm fine with that. I think. You give him eleven. He only made like eight this year, yeah. didn't he? I would give him the eight. I'd give him eight again. Give him eight again. <laughs> he, di- he he didn't do anything to get less money. I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> I, I guess. It's- how much? How much is a championship worth? Is it worth like fifty million dollars? I, I think it depends on who you ask, but I'm of the like. <laughs> it, I think it's the same thing with like who wins the trade. I think. If the trade or signing ends up resulting in an NBA championship, it doesn't matter. I think you won the trade or you won the signing mm-hmm. or whatever. That's yeah, yeah. I, that's in my opinion. Like it's it's the ultimate prize. Uh, so yeah, I can yeah, respect so, that. Will this guy get any larger sum of money from a different team than like eight million? I don't think so. I I don't know. I don't think there's a. <laughs> Just for being a champion and all his heroics. I don't think there's a market for this guy, truly, and I don't really uh, think he wants uh, to leave either. This is L.A. Oh, yeah, he doesn't want to leave, but if someone's going to give him the bag. You think I so? Mean, he's going to think, think about so? it. If someone's going to give him the bag, I'll th- oh, yeah, dude. If the freaking Knicks offered him $15 million a year, you don't think he'd take that? Probably, but, I mean. Give him a three-year, $45 million deal. You don't think he'd take that? I think it I takes so that too. I mean, I would take it, but well, yeah, you would. <laughs> I'm just not. Ooh. I'm just not sure. New York, actually, I just don't think the more there is a market for KCP out there. I don't think so, dude. I don't. The Knicks will do anything stupid, man. Anything dumb you can think of, they'll think of. They'll they'll actually it's consider possible it. If they strike out on all these guys. Like maybe KCP is the guy you try to. You just try to ruin mm-hmm. the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just hate him so much. <laughs> yeah, they, you're really ruining the or Lakers. The Kings, yeah, like the Kings just do something <laughs> stupid like that just to ruin yeah. the Lakers. Well, they don't have a good track record yeah. so far with their with their extensions. So yeah, yeah. and then we got Rondo here. Uh, Rondo, he's he actually might get some he money. Good, he could. Uh, I think he could get eight million, nine million if he wanted to. Uh, I don't think the Lakers give him eight million though. I think. Mm. That, they let him walk to the Clippers. You think if the Clippers are the are the main the, bidder, are the highest bidder? Yeah. You don't think they'd try to play defense there and and, and resign I him? I don't think so. I think. Wow. Because I don't think Rob is also willing to give him like a two multiple year deal to offset the the per year, and I think he tries to save that mm. that mid level exception five million for somebody else. Like, I don't see it going to Rondo. I don't. Yeah. So you you're not even taking like taking a player away from the Clippers into account. If it's Montrez Hera for $5 million, yeah. <laughs> not, but not Rondo? Rondo playoff Rondo, man? I don't know, man. No no love for playoff Rondo? Not for that. Not for eight. Not for eight or, or anything more than not, – not for anything more. We're not talking about a large sum here. It's $8 million uh, bucks. I don't know. I just don't think the Lakers will do it. I think I could see Rondo walking away. Wow, you let the Clippers take him for this $8 million. Gonna, I don't know, this is gonna man. be interesting. I think it's gonna be a game of chicken here between uh, the Lake Rob and and <laughs> Rondo. So we'll see. Mm. Maybe the Clippers do end up getting him. I mean, they're they're definitely targeting him. We've seen lots of rumors flying around yeah. about that that have been circulating. This is another name, Hassan Whiteside. Damn, I don't even know about this guy. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't <laughs> get signed. 
right? Which is crazy because these averages are are absurd. I mean, we're talking about 15.5 points a game, 13.5 rebounds a game, and three blocks a game during the regular season. Those are pretty awesome numbers. Is he? Does that make him a good player? Uh, probably not. But like, I think as far as as far as I saw, he filled in pretty well for Nurkic. Like he he actually was out there trying. Um, he, he is doing what he could, and I think he's earned himself something somewhere. I don't know where, but like, th- there's got to be a market for these types of numbers. You know, I think so. I mean, there's gonna be some team that needs a center like. Like Charlotte loves centers. <laughs> Put him on Charlotte, like I, man. I think the Haw- like if the Hawks strike out, they they'll bring in Whiteside. I think because or else they're gonna be starting an old Dwayne Deadman. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, but I don't. <laughs> or no, they have Clint. But no, they have Clint. Capella. Oh right, they have Clint. Capella. They don't need Never mind. Scratch yeah. that. Dude, the Hornets though, dude. They love like <laughs> Cody Zeller, Bismarck, Biombo. Man, they love average centers, dude. Just put a, put another yeah, one on or there. Or maybe maybe the Suns. I think this. Well, they have Aaron Baines, but I don't. I don't know if. They... Uh, they have Aaron Baines and Aiton. Actually, Aaron Baines is a free agent too. Maybe if they don't resign him, yeah. they get white. Or maybe the, maybe the Rockets can get desperate enough and the market drops low enough that <laughs> white side ends up on the rockets yeah yeah that's the sad thing is like th- these types of numbers would have commanded so much money 10 years ago yeah. but now you just you look at the player and you're just like sorry man like mid-level exception and that's the contrast here like a guy like joe harris you know 15 years ago probably has a hard time making an nba rotation and hassan Whiteside is starting yeah and now it's the complete right. opposite for big exactly. money <laughs> Easy Crazy. to get the bag and Hassan Whiteside might end up staying yeah. home. <laughs> Ooh, I'm calling yeah. Hornets still. Well, we'll see how it goes. I'm calling uh, Hornets. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we got some, we got some names here. We 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 summarized the 2020 uh, NBA free agency. We'll hear when the NBA gets th- gets things ramped up here. But you know, final thought: This was our first episode. We are now. We have now been doing this podcast for about four years. Sean, three years. It sounds. I think this is going into our fourth, fourth year. year right now. It's like we are in the senior year of high school Oof. for podcasting now. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. We made it. We're on top yeah. of the world, man. Now I'm I'm excited for for this year. Should be another interesting one, obviously. Just just thinking about how the logistics are going to play out. Um, how how the West looks as stacked as ever. Uh, we got the draft in about three weeks here. So I'm really excited to see how that goes and what kind of trades and stuff we see before then. And, and hopefully we have a, a clear picture of what the NBA is looking like uh, by that time yeah. as well. Well, everybody, don't forget to catch us, you know, week in and week out, breaking down NBA news and rumors. So uh, don't forget to subscribe and, and follow us uh, wherever wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So thanks, everybody. Have a good week.